We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome into the Sower Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire. I am Andrew Laird, senior soccer editor of Rotowire, joined as always by Andy Black, who goes by Black on uh, Sower. Uh, special guest this week is, uh, for those of you who are watching, James. There he is. Hey, Hi, pleasure, boys. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? We're. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, before we jump in, you want to... Uh, Give us a little background on your so rare journey. It seems like everybody has to do that when they go on podcasts <laughs> about so rare. Sure, sure, absolutely, yeah. So um, I started back in I think July of 2019, which was uh, before a lot of people. I think I can remember, uh, you know, 30 people playing at that time. I was still kind of in and out. I wasn't as interested because it was JPL league. Um, I was more interested in just trying to like pick up some of the West Ham players. Um, so that was fun. I still have a lot of those guys, Felipe Anderson hanging around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I've just been playing and, uh, you know, submitting lineups and, and, and winning and keeping cards and never selling and enjoying it along the way. And it's, it's increasingly just kind of keep snowballing and enjoyment. I think um, I think we got the wrong guy for speculation bundle. I I feel like fully uh, thought the idea of speculating on so rare, and when we started talking about it collectively, uh, what you guys thought about speculating on so rare was different of what, <laughs> what I would thought it was, and so yeah, we brought on somebody who has never sold a card before. Um, That's not true, <laughs> but. Right. I, I don't like to because I do have I do have a pretty good speculative view of uh, the platform where it's going and well I just believe in it so right you guys that, were ready to speculate about the platform and yeah. I was going to talk about speculating within the platform but no we can, we can do, do both. both 
we could yeah. do both. We could do both. Um, so uh, the the one that we, uh, at least on the top of our uh, notes here, Andy, is about the new scarcity uh, and what that does to everything. Uh, are we at least in agreement? I don't, well, I'm not going to say how I feel about it yet. But do you guys think a new scarcity is necessary? And if so, is it necessarily like soon? I think I think it depends on the goal of the so rare team. Like they could grow a small niche game and keep it the way that it is. Or they could try to make a global game that millions of people play and attract tons of people right and the only way to do that is with a new scarcity where you can lower the the entry price and that's what a new scarcity is going to do it's going to lower the entry price what do you think yeah i uh i agree i think it's a lot about what the what the platform in game is and i think we've already heard that they're targeting to become that that entertainment brand um So necessity, I think absolutely. Um, I think that they may end up doing something very similar to how they've done rares. Um, you know, they they advertise a hundred a season. There's very few that hit a hundred, right? Um, and and it may be very similar. So lowering that price point is important, but it will be interesting to see how much it really does lower it. <laughs> and we see something very similar to like super rares gaps or rares to to the super rare gap. And very similar, it's like if you have a one of a thousand scarcity, is it really going to be ten times cheaper than a rare? Probably not. Probably not. not. <laughs> so I mean, one of the first things that I want to do is buy an Mbappe or buy a Neymar. Like, yeah. And I do think that that is really, really important because I think a big gap for people is understanding the players that they actually know and want to watch, right? Mm-hmm. And getting your hands on those players, and that's why I think it's. Uh, we may talk about it in a bit, but around like a common restructure and the, the ability to get those people and try them out who you actually enjoy and like watching is really important to, to retain people, I believe. Agreed. Do you think, do you think the number is one of a thousand? Like my thought is if it's one of a thousand and the idea is like, we want to make this game a lot more accessible. One of a thousand just means that I'm paying you know, 500 for an Mbappe instead of 5,000 or 10,000. Like, it's not like, I, I think you have to even go to like 10,000. Like, I don't know if the What if goal it's unlimited? Is, but like, do you think the goal is going to be everyone should be able to get an Mbappe? Or is it, does like, what do you think is the most expensive new scarcity card? Like what the goal should be? So I, I think the, the main target is probably just to, to lower the entry point. It's, I mean, it's a big around problems. And when you talk about problems of products, a lot of people don't like the entry point cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have the flexibility to say one of a thousand and in two to three years, they come out with a one out of 10,000, right? I don't think their target is necessarily a specific price on, on players, but just to create more accessibility to those and making it cheaper um see i kind of disagree a little bit with that like i don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, I don't like the idea that they would release, like, an uncommon scarcity with 1,000 and then be like, next year, oh, we're going to make 10,000, and then the year after that, 100,000. Like, what if it was just unlimited? Like, we can we can make as many of them as we need to. What, one thing that that I do have trust in them is that this is, like, one of the – and I haven't been involved in, like, all of the different crypto NFT projects, but this is one of the very, very few that have actually organically grown in value over time. And they've done very well at, at keeping that uh, – not not spilling over the top and, and, and going crazy with the supply. Um, yeah. So that's where I, I think that, that they wouldn't do something like Unlimited. Um, I think that it would be very similar to how they've introduced – their their existing scarcities and how they've kind of throttled the way that rares get introduced uh, to the to the auction market and the way they're rewarding them as well. Like, so obviously, if a new scarcity, the, the idea of introducing one has to be like this is it, like this is the last time we're putting more out. Or I don't and think if that's so. the case. Is a thousand enough? I don't think I don't think I've never heard or speculated that this is the last time they may increase the scarcity. I've got a more important question, guys. What color is the new scarcity going to be? <laughs> Yellow. Yellow. Come on. <laughs> Maybe green for uh, looking out for those Real Betis fans. See, I was thinking pink because <laughs> it's in between a rare and a common. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if. Like, I don't think they're going to get do one of a thousand and have it be a problem where they're like, oh, wow, we actually need 5,000 or 10,000. Like, uh, especially if they keep talking about adding more teams. Like, I, I think the one problem that I have with that. So, like, it seems like the argument of, like, they don't need a new scarcity because they have so many teams that they're going to add. But, like, you're not going to add. That doesn't give me more Mbappes. Yeah. And so, like. There are only a handful of teams left of players on Mbappe's level in terms of the game and collectability that adding every other team from Liga MX and in Brazil, like that, that's not really moving the needle, I feel like, to get mass adoption and then people coming in. Like, I, I think there's this weird, like, argument, not an argument, but you're, you're either saying we need to bring more people into this game so that we have to make the entry point more accessible, which theoretically is the cost of five cards because that's what we're playing in this game. But does that mean that everybody should be able to buy all the players that they want in that cheaper price? Like, should I be able to get, you know, Mbappe and Ronaldo and whoever else is at the top? Or do we just keep it kind of how it is now, except there are just more of them? Does that make sense? Yeah, and and one of the interesting things that I've heard or or seen at least in like in the feedback channel was that they would have a set price to them, which would be interesting. Uh, and, and I think that's where you start getting into future, like way future out. How big do you really see this platform getting? Because that's where you have to say this is that final lower scarcity, and we're setting the floor on it. Um, I don't know how they handle, you know, making sure that people don't buy them all up uh you know that's a that's a big problem potentially um like a single a single user buying half of the supply of mbappe or whatever um but that was an interesting interesting take on on setting a floor price for them the 
only thing I don't really like about that is that it's just kind of like everybody can have it then, you know, like everybody gets the thing. Yeah. Everybody's going to use the thing. That, did you take that as every card was the same price? That's how, that's how I, I interpreted it. Uh, I took it I a little, it. I took it a little differently. Like the stars might be maybe like 20 bucks or whatever. And then the tier ones, maybe 10, you could like, I, I've seen people ex- explain it that way, and I think that that would be kind of fine too. But I don't know. I, like set prices to me is just kind of. Eh. But then you have to worry about all these people jumping in and out of tiers. And I was just about to say, at least we uh, get to trust them on making the tiers right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't happening. But <laughs> I, I just that's a, like that's if, a really hard thing to do. What can they do anything with like randomness? Can we do like oh you pay five dollars and you get a random card or something like? There's that, that, would, that ain't that's not happening, right? I hope I hope it could. I think that there's, <laughs> I, th- I think that there's like gambling gambling yeah. and legal uh, issues around that. But I mean that that's why I've gotten in a few other of the the projects in the space is just the addiction of opening packs. Oh yeah, and I mean you're talking about be, Gods Unchained right now, right? Uh, no no <laughs> no yes but yeah. um mm. it would it would i think it would it would open up a lot of opportunity for people uh, i mean that's what you what you're doing right now when you win a tier three is there are good tier three cards that you can stumble upon and it's, no, it's still get out of here no uh, yeah you're crazy it's like one i i've got i've got a different opinion <laughs> on it than you guys i i love opening the tier threes <laughs> I mean, Andy, you said like last week, you like the randomness though of tier three. I do. Yeah. I just like to give Jimmer crap. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think well received. Yeah. I think tier three, the tier three lottery would be more fun if it felt like somebody won. Like <laughs> it feels like yeah. nobody ever wins the tier three lottery. That's all. The. Oh, so I can tell I, you from I want it. from being in this game longer than you guys have, I have several cards that were tier threes that are now tier ones that that are playable every week. All right, like, okay, Kikuchi from uh, yeah, he was a tier three card. That's crazy. Yeah, and he's like, and he's he's, like, he's at the top on the platform. Yeah, he's like broken month. now. He's st- he's month. gotta be like star. Yeah. So here, right. Yeah, the, I think if anybody who has patience in rare can can succeed, especially in the market, especially in the auctions. Like if you're buying stuff off season, um, I'll reveal my strategy on stream right now. I <laughs> was I was hitting uh, so FIFA, so I was looking at FIFA potential rating scores, and I was sweeping the bottom of the market, buying the potential on the youngest players. And it's like now I have all of these young guys who I paid less than $5 for back in early 2020 or whatever. But a couple of them have already have already become full-time starters. And Less than $5? What? Yeah. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> People are going to murder you. <laughs> I'm not on Discord. And, uh... and what? Like, oh, any discovered... other social media? You can't. You can't get in touch with me. I'm sorry. I, Good. I discovered this Mbappe guy. Picked him up for eleven bucks. <laughs> yeah. and now, you know. I thought it was a Hanson song. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So does the new scarcity kill rare card prices? Yes. 
Initially, yes. Yes, initially, yes. And I think it's because the biggest point – people people want to play, and the, the reason people are uh, ramping up the price of rares is because that's the entry point. And I think anybody who just wants to get on the platform and experience the ownership of cards and experience the ability to effectively create a dynasty collection, they would do that at a lower scarcity happily right i think it's gonna i think we're gonna see the same gap initially as like you see in d2 right um, couple things layered dfs the like 95 percent of the users probably play the lowest stakes right yeah <clears throat> yeah so i think that will transfer here probably um and then a little bit with that too though like I think there's a chance that the team handles it in a like proper uh, way. And we might see the reduction in uh, auctions for rares. And, and maybe, maybe that helps a little bit kind of throttle the, the, the market by just limiting supply a little bit until we get enough of that user base that's interested in, in maybe buying rares. What what percentage of new people right now, like let's say all of the people who joined within the last month uh, and have bought five, at least five cards, what percentage of those people do you think, and it did kind of a, an absurd question, but go play with me for a little bit here. Sure. How many of those people do you think wouldn't have bought rare cards if there was a lower scarcity? I mean, it's a high number. It's 90% plus, right? probably the same percent that hasn't bought super rares there you go um i don't know though because it when you get into 500 a thousand dollars for a competitive lineup versus two grand five grand for a competitive super rare lineup that's a pretty big difference in disposable income uh, so i i don't know um I think the, the the way I was trying to think of this is the re, basically the reduction of people who are in the market for rare cards now because they can buy this new scarcity. Is that made up by the number of people who hear of this new scarcity and are like, oh, it's a lot cheaper to get in, but then see that you can win more with the rare cards and they're like, oh, maybe I'll just buy the rare cards. Like, does that actually replace the pool? I, th I think it has to be. Be, like they have to introduce them in a way where you might need a rare as well. So division five might say you can buy these uncommon cards or whatever the heck we're going to call them. But you, if you want to captain a card in that lineup, just like they do in the starter league or whatever, you have to have a rare that, to captain it. So I think little incentives like that to push people towards the rares. I mean, you bring on, you know, thousands of users and they all got to buy one rare it might protect the prices of rares a little bit. Yeah, but. and the, and there's potential incentive if we're if we're really speculating, potential incentive outside of the divisions as well, right? Like when you talk about uh I think it may be in the AMA or something with with Nicholas was like, yeah, if you're a rare card owner, you get a raffle for season tickets for for your favorite club or whatever. And Okay, Gary. This is the speculation bundle. Ah. <laughs> but I, but like that's where I think it can go. And I think where what really needs to happen, and we've talked about it a bit, is improving the 
the rewards, like rare rewards and rare divisions have to be significantly better than the 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 lower scarcity right now. And then like D3 is better, but you can effectively win it with full rares. It's very difficult. Uh, I run a, I want to delict with uh, a full rare team in U23 D3. So um, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> um it's possible and and people a lot of the same reason why i think packs would be enormous is people love gambling and people love the possibility of hitting the lottery right and when you pay five bucks for a pack and you could pull an mbappe or whatever and that's why i think it would be really cool if if even part of the reward system and i think they're doing some of this a bit which is kind of weird but like if you get a tier three and you're in that tier three, there's a small percentage that you're bumped up a tier. Yeah, I and like that. Like, you actually see some sort of like mechanic in the in the app that's like, uh, it's just fireworks like a pie, or something. A pie chart. And it's like, oh, 20% to get bumped up a tier. And it like spins yeah. around and you're like, damn it, not again. Right. I yeah. missed it. But like, like a giant wheel that spins. And if you, you yeah, you get the one spot that, that gives you the tier up or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think they're kind yeah. of doing it because they're saying like, if you score X amount of points, but you don't, uh, if you don't hit a certain, like 130 or more right now, you're put in this pool of a drawing to get a tier three or something, which is cool. But then the argument is like, why don't you just expand the amount of people that are paid out? Cause people will be upset, Yeah. but you effectively get to pay more with some enjoyment because you go into Tuesday morning and you go into Friday morning with that chance. And that's what keeps people here, I think. Doesn't limiting the prize pool, though, for the new, for Division 5, keep you from progressing? Like we talked all last week about how we think that you should be able to buy, win a card that get moves you to an, another level, like winning a super rare in D4 so you can play D3. Yeah. If we're limiting the prize pool in D5, like why don't you want people to move on? Well, I think I th- I th- I think you can limit it. Like right now, you look at the what the common league or what uh, starter league or whatever. It's top three can win a rare. Like right, that, thirty thousand people. That's kind of a joke. <laughs> but if you look at whatever this D five is going to be, like if you expanded that out to fifty people or something, can win a rare. Okay. I mean, so I can I can tell you people people enjoy that because of the chance to win common goalkeepers. One of my yeah. buddies just won Eloy Room on, uh, yeah, a common, and it it was huge for him. And it, I so mean, that'll uh, rookie yeah, that's, still, that's a great card right now. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could win commons. <laughs> if you could buy. Laird, if you could buy a common goalie right now, like if you could buy that Eloy room, what would you pay for it? It's a great question. Um, would you probably... would you trade Martin Hongla? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, that's my man. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Maybe because I'm trying to think. Like, are you going to give me a price in F or uh, U.S. dollars? I was I was absolutely thinking of it in F. Um, I have no idea what it would be in dollars. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe 0.05. Is that too much? I don't like, know. I don't, you tell me. Yeah, I don't know. I I can say from experience that I have uh, rare goalkeepers that are horrific and cost much more than 
what a common would and score nothing. So who would that be? (laughs) I didn't want to say his name. I don't want to give him any, uh, any credit. I'm going to go somewhere else with that. Um, well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, of course, I got that for free, so I actually didn't. Pay 0.05, so 0.05 for a rare goalie that's going to be usable for the next uh, five common, months. Common. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Something that, that but, you don't own and can't trade, you'd pay 0.05. Um, I might. Yeah. Because you're really only, like, you're right. You don't own it, so I'm, yeah. I'm basically. Let's say you can. Let's say you can trade it. I mean, you're buying it, so. I would love to be able to trade commons. 0.05 seems super reasonable. Wouldn't it just be better to allow me to pay somebody else 0.05 to? Well, I guess not, because Sorare needs to make money. Yeah. But like, I was just gonna say, like, I could pay somebody else 0.05, and I could loan room for five months or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh. I mean. I know, I know Jimmer's opinion on loans, and I, I know loans really isn't on our agenda for today, but Jimmer, have the floor. Talk about loans. <laughs> I just think it's a good opportunity for them to get another revenue stream. Um, I don't think that we have the amount of people on the platform to facilitate loaning, but um, when you have people like me who have collections and they've played the game and they don't want to sell cards – you know, it benefits both parties because I could I could loan a card of a forward or a you know a skill position that I'm not using, and it would be significantly cheaper, and it would be a competitive market um, that that so rare could take like five or ten percent off the sale from the seller, and they could set up the smart contract. They could say um, after this game week, transfer it back to me, or you don't even have to transfer ownership. Uh, and it wouldn't cost them anything in F, ETH. F. I say ETH because it's ETH Ethereum. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I don't know. I think it, I think it would be a good opportunity. Plus, it fits the whole narrative of, of football in general, right? There's a there's a huge loan market, right? Yeah. You're you're going here for X amount of money, and you're going back once the contract's over. Um, Do you think the the people who are taking these loaned players see enough of a benefit to be pro loan as opposed to how anti uh, people with big galleries are who will benefit because they're the ones getting this revenue stream. Hmm. Like there's, there's literally this whale bashing term that we all joke about, but those yep. are going to be the people who loan the most cards. But here's the yeah. deal. There's going to be a race to the bottom on, on, on loaning prices. Like that. Will, it will go really yeah. low. Yeah. I mean, it's either you, you loan it or you don't. And it could literally replace a new scarcity because you're lowering the entry point for people to play daily fantasy sports. Right. It, it becomes a daily fantasy sports platform because you don't own that card. And the people who own the cards, because it becomes something that's really special that you can actually transfer the utility to somebody else. And I think one of the biggest mistakes on the platform today, which it's really difficult for people to get to a collection of a size, and it's probably not really a problem, but the whole incentive for, for managers, and the only way that SoRare makes money today is selling cards. And there is a a maximum amount of cards that you really should own in a gallery. 
And at that point, people stop putting money in the game. If if there is a loan market that's that's lucrative, you know, the the auction market becomes even more competitive because you're that the people who buy cards, they don't maybe they maybe they don't even have to play the game. They just loan the cards out. I mean, imagine like Pal Trader or one of these other guys with yeah. just ridiculous <laughs> galleries. Yeah. I, I, I does Pal submit lineups? Does anybody know? Yeah. He does. Okay. So I think he would probably not submit lineups if he could just loan everything. Like all of his like good players and everything, if he could just loan them out. Yeah. Why bother? Plus people I mean, people who believe in the platform, you just continue to buy and hold the cards. I think from a whale bashing perspective, I think the auction house would go crazy. Like the cards would become even more expensive. So I don't know. Would people that that's so hard to say too. It's a, it's a balance, right? I think it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty tumultuous at first, right? It's going to swing. Uh, the loan market would be crazy cheap. People would just say, screw buying cards. I'm not going to the auction house. Cause I can just mm-hmm. play this way. And then it'll swing the other way when people are like, the loan market's going high or whatever that's that said i think new scarcity kind of like makes it so that never really ever happens yeah and and the reason is because why would you why would you have a a a system like that when you can just buy whatever this new scarcity is for dirt cheap maybe dirt cheap i don't know maybe it's not going to be dirt cheap and and maybe it maybe it doesn't happen um I, I just always thought it was a cool idea. I always think it's something that's going to happen just simply from the ability to interact with smart contracts and Ethereum. Um, the the thing that I would like to see is so Rare make money off of it and XP not get halved because that whole system's kind of gets destroyed. So if they build a robust system on their platform, they'd say loan through us and the cards don't lose XP because we don't actually transfer them. I, they just go into a database and... I'll be honest, I hate the loss of XP. I think that they should just take a fee and be done with it because it it helps them and then the fee prevents people from loaning things back and forth because they're going to pay fees on it and it's not going to that won't be good. So um I think that the play there for them is they got to introduce some kind of small minuscule fee that just nips it. What was the reason for the XP? Like why did they want to stop loaning? Because this was obviously something that happened a lot. And yeah, I mean, like that, well, that, and just like Jimmer would, you know, be like, "Hey, Black, I'm short a forward this week. Right. You want to toss me a guy?" And sure, I got an forward you can use. And like the, for the competitive balance, that's not great for you know players with big galleries trading cards back and forth just so that they can, you know. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that that that's not good. That said, if they put a fee in there, I, I'm Jimmer's going to say, hey, Black, can I borrow a guy? And I'm like, eh, I don't really want to pay a fee to give you a guy. I'm not going to pay a <laughs> yeah. fee to give you a guy for a week. I Maybe I so will. Bad. Maybe I'm nice. I, I feel so bad because my buddy is like joining it and they're starting to love it. And I'm like sitting on these cards. I'm like, yep. no, I'm like, I know how many positions that like I just got kicked out of a star rare, rare reward this week if I would have just trained them and not had half of off my XP. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons, Laird, is because um, we saw a lot of that loan market going on, but it was a zero risk loan market. And it was, if you win something, I get half. Here's a free team. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so rare was just eating the fees on the transfers. Um, and they were trying to decentivize that. And I I think they did well in it, but it also like kind of limits what it really means to own your cards. And like, to some extent, you know, I think people should be able to, to buy cards and share them with their friends, right? Like that's, that's something that's kind of core to ownership, but it gets out of hand really quickly when there's a mm-hmm. lot of financial incentive. And it's it does just seem a little strange because it feels like the, this whole thing is like, you own these cards, you can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> Except that and Except that, that. Yeah. And that. <laughs> but I think, I think if they just put a fee there, then yeah, do whatever you want with them, but you got to pay the fee if you use our marketplace or whatever to transfer them. Do you think that's better than just having a, some sort of negative multiplier? Like any loan card only scores 80% of the points or whatever. Like fatigue, like we, we were talking about at one point fatigue, which that would be kind of cool. Like having fatigue on players. And when you transfer them, they, the fatigue drops way down or whatever. And every game week that you use a player, like this is something I actually still think would be cool. Every game week that you use a player, they lose part of their bonus or they lose like 5% or 10%, you know, they lose some percentage and at some point you have to make the choice to rest that player. And it, I, 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 <laughs> no, no I, I, I think it's, I mean, I have a big gallery, so that sounds great to me. So what if, <laughs> to what be if, honest, my guys have, my guys are resting themselves anyway. I'm gonna yeah. have to like De La Cruz this week. Yeah. Now, now that would be an interesting one. If he's DNP, does he rest or right. does he lose the five percent? <laughs> so what if when it, what if whenever you transferred a card, it didn't lose half its XP, but it just couldn't play one game? Hmm, that's fun. So you you transferred. It was it was ineligible for lineups for one week, one game week, or maybe maybe a whole week, two game weeks. Really make them pay. Well, well, <laughs> I don't know about that far. Maybe that's not good for the secondary market, then. You buy a card, and then you can't use it right away. You're basically punishing both sides, too, because not only yeah. can one play... You cannot, you can't use it right away, but the other person, you know, the loner has to wait two weeks to get their card back anyway. Yeah. And do, you have to, do they then have to wait the week when they get it back? I would say like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they would have to, right? But I, like, if that... I, so I was thinking about it just really quickly, and that would incentivize me to like give some players out to friends it would help them build lineups but i mean that's not really what they want people to do they want people to buy cards so yeah. the, <laughs> the, they they need to win it was really good for the platform people stopped transferring cards for free and yeah, it, i think the yeah. <clears throat> what you were saying about the, what happens to auctions though if we have this like robust loan system is that the auctions basically turn into whoever wants to loan cards. Like you, people who are buying cards now because they need them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed lose that incentive to buy cards, but everybody who's buying, who's loaning cards, they're now just competing against each other. So the number of people who are trying to buy cards is is much lower, but it also happens to be all of the people with bigger galleries because they just want more cards to loan them. And I think that's the opposite of what they want to actually get done, right? Like I think theoretically for them, it shouldn't matter who's buying the cards. Like they yeah. just want the cards sold. Yeah. But like really you want more people buying cards than a few people buying all the cards. Because if one of those people leaves, now that's a huge part of your business that's gone. So like the more people that buy cards, I think is better. But I still want to be able to loan cards. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. After all that. Uh, yeah, after all that, I think that they just need a, a fee. I think a fee and get rid of the XP cut. Maybe not. I don't know. Do you think it's better to have the fee on a loan versus the secondary market fee? Like no, I mean I mean the fee on the secondary market. If you want to if you want to do a loan, there's a fee there too. Put the fee on both places and do whatever you want, but there's going to be a small fee to to move the card. Right. So if it's a zero cost transaction, you're you're going to be paying that fee. You're talking like once they move to whatever the scaling solution is, should should they still have a fee? So you're talking about instituting a fee for a secondary market transfer. What about direct offers? Yeah, I would do a fee there too. So if it's a if it's a, a zero value card for nothing, the person transferring is paying a fee. I think so. Or somebody's paying a fee. I don't know. I mean, figure out whoever you want to pay the fee, but somebody's got to pay. Yeah, and, and that's that's really tough because then you just destroy all of the Ethereum benefits, right? Like I'll just go off the platform and send it to you, send it to you with gas. But you're Good paying luck. a fee there. You're gonna pay way more. That's fair. I, and when I talk about fees on the platform, I would say they should always keep the, whatever their fee is should be less than taking your card off the platform, moving it, and then moving it back on. Like, and right now to do that. You're paying hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So good luck. And I, they can put a fee in place right now that's 10 bucks a transfer or something or five. Like, okay, that, that sounds high and it probably is. Maybe a couple bucks. I don't know. It, it should be low and it should be enough for them to at least uh, make back some of the gas that they're, they're, they're paying for right now to, to move a card. I think you could make the argument that they could charge more than it costs to do it off the platform only because you don't have to go off the platform. Right. You could, you could, but you don't want, you, you don't want people doing that. Like that, that's not ideal having to move stuff off. Like that's what I mean. 
I would you wouldn't pay a little more to to do it so that it's not off the platform? I don't know. It just seems crummy. Like they should keep it cheap. I mean, they have no fees right now. There's right. no fees. Like if they're gonna put a fee in, it should be you know nominal, a, a small fee. Yeah, I always thought it'd be interesting to incorporate some of these things into the reward system. Like if you get top 500, you earn a transfer for the week or whatever, and you could transfer a card to replace that fee or something like that. Like a loan ticket. Yeah, <laughs> just to just to like continue to uh, I don't know. Maybe that becomes too complex. That'd be like a power up, right? Yeah, like a power up, or you know, you win a specific uh, multiplier bonus. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that probably gets too. It would be cool if you could win other things that weren't cards. Like yeah, you can do that in saying. FIFA, like in FIFA, where you can win like the contracts or whatever. I don't know. Even I don't even play FIFA anymore, so I don't know what they you can win. But like, like if I could heal Noah Lang when he gets hurt, you know, <laughs> he did that pretty quick anyway, Wolverine <laughs> but, style, right? <laughs> But yeah, it'd be cool if there was other things that maybe weren't uh, pl- players or cards that you could somehow win. Well, you can win XP now, or not now, but soon. Yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. You could select that. Do you think but... you'd ever select that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, it does. Like, there's probably people. I would be interested to talk to them, but there are probably people that will. And there's probably people that severely strategize their their training lineups. Um, it's just too much too much work for too little benefit. What if they really overhauled that and like made it so like your I don't know the XP on a player like a rare let's say what what do they start at zero percent or they get the five percent bonus? But what if you could you could bump them all the way up to like twenty percent? somehow or 25% and it might take three years to do it. But I mean, if that were the case, then if you could win XP somehow and that could boost that up, that'd be pretty cool. If there was like a longer term, like a bigger picture there. And if you could somehow strategize your training lineups to maybe gain more XP, like maybe if like the fewer line, like the fewer training lineups you have, the more training points get allocated or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the more strategy that's just in general on the platform is good, um, just to allow people to to play and experience it differently. And right now, that's non-existent in training. Um, I I think you've had the idea before, but like diminishing returns and on the lineup. Yes, team for sure, like, would be pretty cool because like imagine lineup team one, you actually get double the experience that you would in any normal lineup, right? You're like, training. But- like, like, just say you get 10,000 XP points, and however many lineups you set, it diminishes across them. So you set one lineup, you get 10,000 XP. Like, that's just a random number I'm throwing out there. But it that XP goes on to the players that you set in training lineups. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be uh, something I wouldn't like, but it would be good for the platform. <laughs> why why, wouldn't, why you like wouldn't you like it? Because it would be more time that I would have to spend setting lineups. But you were just asking for more strategy. I think it's good for the platform. <laughs> well, you already do. You set all your training lineups right now. Yes. So now not in s- any not in any meaningful way. And but that's I, okay. Right now, you spend hate... the max. You spend the maximum amount of time because you you set every single training lineup. What if 
What if you only set one training lineup and they got all the XP possible? So I, think your... I, I really think I'd be in the camp of, of training all my players. Most of them, most of them. Hmm. I might take my five best players that don't make it into my lineups and I would train them and really try to boost them. And well, there might even be know, scenarios where you bench I don't know, like a I'm, good player. I was you... looking at your guys' results for this game week. And... Shut up. Oh, please don't. <laughs> I, <laughs> compared to mine, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you did pretty good. You did pretty good. Not gonna lie. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm the persona who puts in as many tickets as he can. I buy kind of the bottom, and I and I'm I'm hoping for that, uh, you know, that dream lineup of average players to all pop off at once. And that's where I'm like, you know, any of my guys, I believe in all of them, and they should all get XP. And I love them. This. <laughs> This is the speculating that I was talking about uh, when I proposed a speculation podcast, um, because the the academy stuff, like the, the potential to progress your way and possibly take XP as opposed to a card or F ETH. Now, now I'm questioning every time I say it. There you way. go. Um, because my thought was just that, like I would never take the XP, and I somebody brought up the possibility that like, if you get to the end of whatever progression you are and it's going to run out with the three months and like the, you know, 0.02 ETH doesn't really move the needle and the, the tier three card, you don't want to play the tier three card lottery and you could just take a ton of XP and put it wherever you want. Like maybe that's worth it. But I just, I really can't think of any situation where they're like, would you like this mystery tier three card or you know, 5,000 XP points for whoever, like I'm never taking the XP, never. That's not speculating. Speculating is taking the tier three card. Yeah. I it think would, right, it would be interesting. Right now, the, go ahead. right now, the, the boost is just not good enough for you to want to take, like if you could get your rare up to 20% or something crazy, then yeah, you might start focusing on, training more or or you might take the xp boost because you could really you know take a player and 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 turn them into something else but right now would you rather have a super rare or a 20 percent rare i don't know they're the same thing right what does a super rare start at 20 percent yeah starts at i mean yeah so you would rather have the super rare but it would still well, be cool. To, let's to say you it. could infinitely add XP to a rare card. So would you rather take the 20, the, the rare card that already has 20% or the 20% super rare? I want the super rare. Yeah, I want the super rare. Because they're wow. super. And there's only 10 of them. Yeah, they're super duper. <laughs> but you could have the only 20% rare. Yeah. So a uh, part of the the speculation on that and, and what's future possibility. I don't know if they would do anything like this, but um, whenever they hit max level or something that they get something that's unique or special to them. And I think I'd, I had talked about that one time, which was what if when a rare card uh, reached level 20, which is difficult to do, it became a super rare for uh qual or for, um, division requirements so 
you could play five max super rares in uh, D2. Or not super rares, rares. But that, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a cool idea. Like if you if you could boost up your rare enough to where it yeah. can it can meet the qualifications to be yeah. the super rare. Like I really like that. That's cool. And that I love that, that could could yeah. go to the progression and yeah. Like they need a they need a way. I think so rare just found their new game designer. They sorry, need... Carl. <laughs> <laughs> they need a. No, they need I, a way. I'm sorry, it's a game economist that they're looking for. They need there a reason go. for people to um, want to select that XP, right? And if mm -hmm. I get into the platform, it's really expensive. You know, like throwing a thousand dollars at at a game is 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 a lot of money. Um, and when I have my five cards, I'm I'm potentially sticking to them, and I'm saying these are the guys. They're gonna win me a couple cards this year, or I'm just gonna ride them. And if I can apply XP to those specific cards. You know, maybe it helps me, but if I can get them up and I want to play into D3 or whatever else, and D3 requirements wouldn't wouldn't uh, need that max level, but yeah, it's it's an interesting idea. So you guys have obviously been around quite long. Um, why why did they begin training? Like, is, I, I mean, obviously, like it just seems weird to me. To have like a, hey, here's something else to do with all your cards, but really, what you're getting, we could just give you anyway. I don't have an answer to that, Jim or Mike. Uh, I, I, my Why am I training my, is, my assumption is that that was an attempt to continue the um, reason for people to buy them. You know, like there's not absolutely no reason to have more cards than you should because you can continue to build training lineups. You can continue to train players and they can fill in holes whenever you need them in five, six game weeks or whatever. Um, I also think that they maybe believe that there's some sort of strategy around them because there, there is depending on the lineup that you set. Um, you know, I always make sure to captain somebody who's playing uh, with people who do not do not play because the more points they get, the more spread across all of them. Um, I don't, I don't know that that's true. And you're training, like nobody really knows the nobody rules knows. around training lineups. Yeah, and it's probably a core, a core reason that nobody maybe knows or cares is because they don't necessarily find the value in it. Um, but it, it takes a lot of patience to see it because when you, when you win. A specific tier higher because you win by 0.03 points. I always think about training, and I'm like, I'm glad I spend that extra 25 minutes setting all my, like that just made me another X amount of Ethereum that I could sell that card for, but never will, never will. You know what's funny is that problem is like really only for like one percent of their user base. Like most users can, I don't know. Yeah. Do all their training in like two minutes and they're done. I'll talk about a problem for the 1% of the user base is the way the training lineups are set from week to week and how you have to make that big decision whether to dump them all or to keep them and, and make it a pain in the ass to set your lineups. <laughs> and then the, the worst part is going back into your training lineups and seeing all of the ones that are broken but you don't know which it's always the limitation is your goalkeeper and you don't know which ones have goalkeeper gaps. So you have to click into every single one, see which one has a goalkeeper. Yeah. Click out of it, 
trash it, and then the whole list gets messed up. And then yeah. you have to... <laughs> it's a nightmare. And Laird and I have talked about this multiple times. There needs to be like right before the start of a game week. How do they not have a way that I can just like view all my lineups from like one screen? Like show me all my lineups to so I can make sure I did not screw anything up. Like I want to yeah. see them all. Show them to me. Let me scroll through them. It's outrageous. <sighs> Absolutely yes. outrageous. Yes. There's um there's a lot of a lot of gaps that so rare data helps to fill there. Um if I didn't have the lineup builder, I would be lost in uh any kind of strategy and then also um, making sure that I'm actually putting players in lineups because I don't dump my training lineups and I, I rely on hitting that used button for every lineup I set. And I yep. basically I basically set them all in so rare data to make sure that I'm filtering them correctly within so rare. And they need to fix the filters. The no game bug <laughs> as as well as like I don't know how the cards are organized. They're like pseudo average highest to lowest. I have no idea. You, but then you like you get done with your lineups and you scroll down. And you're like, oh, what's this sixty average guy doing down here? He's hiding at the bottom. What's, yeah, what's, what's going on here? I guess I'll dump them all and do it over. Yeah, I I clear mine every week, yeah. and I actually have the weird situation where I have more goalkeepers than forwards, so I actually run out of forwards. That's crazy. And so my what bothers me the most is trying to figure out if I need to use two defenders or two midfielders. And then I get to the end and I still have like two rare cards left. And I'm like, ah, I have to go back <laughs> and see where I used a common. Uh, I think that's like the most painful part of the entire game is setting training lineups, mostly because I have no idea if it works. Like I've never once, have you ever even thought of going into your lineup, into a player card the week after and seeing if you got XP? Nope. Nope. <laughs> you could make <laughs> it up would every I? week and I would have no idea. Yeah. Or I could get yeah. nothing and I wouldn't know. I just know at some point I get another half percent and I feel good about myself. But like, I have no idea. There's no way to track it. You don't know if guys are close to going to the next level unless you go back to the chart of where, how many you need for each one. Like I just... There's, they could do so much with training, and it's just uh, such a hassle right now. So question for you. If you get that Tier 3 reward and you flip it over and it's a forward, are you like, yes, I can complete another training lineup? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yes. So, I like, it's not and then I totally useless. <laughs> I... I haven't won a good, like a, a very usable card yet, yet. Um, but I, so I pretty much look at them as like threshold hits now. Like I, I end up selling them for 0.01 or hopefully 0.01 because they're just tier three guys that I, like I recently got like a 35 year old defender uh, from the K league. And it's like, I'm probably never putting him in a lineup. He didn't start either. Oh, come on. No, well, <laughs> he's still got a good five years on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I have to convince one other person that that's the case so that I can sell them the card, but it hasn't happened yet. But um, I don't even remember where I was going with that. But I think training should be easier. Yeah. Or just at least more transparent or so different. I know what I'm getting out of it. Like, I yeah. think that's, I just don't know. I can't even go back 
and look and say like, oh, this lineup got this many points. Like I, I don't think about my training lineups at all. Like yeah, I really I put, don't either. I put five guys in. Maybe I put in the five that don't have games together because I know it's not going to score any points anyway. But like, I really just try to get through it because I just don't feel like there's any strategy for it. But I also put in as many lineups as I can in tournaments. And so it's like, like that's my problem with this new academy thing. Like, do I keep, do I just keep throwing five rares in the D3 because I don't own any super rares or do I give up on that so I can play the academy? I don't know yet. Yeah, I think it, it's really going to depend on that that structure of how much how many points you get per game week, per cashing out, and like weighing that against your odds and actually winning anything in D three. But um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a similar uh, internal debate on <laughs> whether or not to do that or not with the with the much larger collection. Yeah, I just don't see the at that point. I just don't see the benefit of play of me hoping that the five rare cards and and I don't like prioritize D3 either. There it's like extra cards. So like yeah. the amount of luck I need for that to hit is just absurd. Um whereas it's like, oh well I have plenty of junk cards that I can put into the academy that average fewer than 45 points. Shout out to Jao Felix. Um and maybe I just played Patience. Patience. <laughs> Well, it's it's funny you say that because I was thinking like the reason why I'll never get to the end of the three months and like possibly get a star card because I'm not going to wait that long. I don't have yeah. patience. I'm going to speculate on the tier three every time I hit that, you know, within the three three months just feels like an eternity in so. Yeah, it's like well, a thousand game weeks. I think it's an yeah, well, it's an eternity when you're coming from like DFS, right? Like that's yeah, every week is a new week, right? You can just yeah. set a new lineup, pick a new guy. And I, I think that the need for patience in this game, because I think you do need it, is kind of killing potentially retention. Uh, Sorry, my, my the sun is like like killing me here. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Now we're good. Patience is killing retention. I think it potentially is. I and I don't think retention is a problem at all right now. But um, I know. If if people are on the platform for a month or two months and they maybe they don't even hit a threshold, maybe they lose a lot of interest. Um, I think it will be pretty detrimental if they change the way the thresholds are now. At least like where what you need to score because they're they're extremely achievable. Like two fifty is achievable even if you get a DMP. Um, it's difficult, but that week to week. You think it should still be easy in some manner, like like you can yeah, play common I, goalie or whatever the new scarcity is. You can play that and still still get it. I think so because I mean you need people to feel accomplished in some way, in some form, um, and I think that's why a lot of people are upset at uh, specific divisions or the amount of competition there is that just say just say it. Wales. <laughs> what division are you talking about? Oh, I mean, like Division Four, right? Like. Oh, I thought you were talking about Division One. Yes. Yeah, no, that. but but well, pe- these people aren't playing there. They're upset. Right, but at... I think people are upset though that in Division One that like fifty percent of people win. Yeah, like ten lineups get set, and like there's no. 
look at the lineups in Division One, and like some of some of them will win with a DNP or like it's kind of silly. It's not like these are the top top players. They're the smartest. It's just like they bought they bought some guys and put them in, and they got good like they bought good players, but they're not really even working that hard. I think the yeah. two the two points there is it's it's fifth maybe 15 people competing for five cards five places and the score you need is 65% of what you need in D4 and yeah. you're winning a tier 3 or tier 1 super rare it depends on the week so i'll walk back what i said a little bit like i said that people weren't they weren't spending a lot of time like some of them do like Zara had a week last week or the week before he scored like 700 points or something like he broke the game like the scoreboard flipped um that was that was awesome uh but you also have like weird midweeks where um i don't know there's a dnp or a couple dnps and people just you win a super rare like all you had to do was submit a lineup and not have a dnp or not have two dnps and you get a card i don't know i I, it, yeah. The appearance of that is kind of crummy, but then again, those are the people that spent the most to get into those divisions. Yeah, I, I think that the hardest part about it that, that people can deal with is just the fact that the platform has taken off. So like, they feel like all of these people are just... It's a pyramid scheme where people got in early and they're selling their tier one super rares down to people because you know they're only competing with 12 other people but the amount of people that complain and maybe have money to even compete there like i don't know i i don't pay attention to it because like (laughs) the way people talk about how such a good opportunity it is why like why aren't people playing there um and that's a different conversation but because it costs twenty thousand dollars yeah the it's it's all based on risk like you could pay twenty grand. I, I don't know. I, I think that that like that is one of the biggest uh, problems or issues to like actually solve with this type of platform, and it's it's clearly not solved. But what I, are I your thoughts on gates? Like, if they just removed the gate and said that, hey, you can submit five rares and D one. I th- I would love it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I mean, always, everybody I'm always looking more opportunity to play my cards, but I think here, I, I think you're right that uniques and super rares would need more uh, benefit over rare cards, and we've yeah. been there. Like we had that, we did. And why did we change from that? I don't know. It was pretty good. Um, I, I actually wanted to ask you guys that, but the other way, like, what if you could play any card you want? in any division, but you only got like a baseline percentage. Like you could play uniques in, in division four, but they're scored like rares. Yeah. So the, we, we've talked about this a while ago, which was kind of like the slider idea, which is each card has a power to a certain extent. And this is, this is back when we had power restricted lineups and you could pay, you could take a hundred X, unique and you could slide that bad boy all the way down to 10 to match a rare to make a lineup that you wanted and that way like a super rare that you bought doesn't just have super rare utility it potentially has d4 d5 or whatever and you just 
put it wherever you want. But you have the advantage of putting it as high as you want or as high as it can go. Um, and that's that's kind of like the the structure that was in the in place with the power uh, restricted lineups. Um, I would like it, but it it makes it difficult with the structure we have today. So, Larry, the, the the issue with the way that it was was like a, a rare had like it started with seven dot two x power, and you could scale that up, and that was. You know, you would your players over time would get to eight, 12. nine, ten, ten x. We'll say ten x. And Division Four, for instance, had a power cap of forty two x. So you had to get five players that met that condition. They couldn't go over forty two x. So over time, power or the multiplier became a bad thing. Right. And th- that was a big problem. Like, oh, I'm training my players. Why would I train my players? Because then they'll go over the cap, and I don't want them to go over to the cap because then I have to play D3, and then they're underpowered in D3. So it was a bad structure, but I think that I think that it could have been tweaked less severely. Like, it's a lot different now. And I think that the gates really kind of create this, like, idea that there's people that can just, you know... Not that it's not already pay to win, but uh, it it really looks even worse when people can just buy the three uniques or whatever, submit the lineup, and as long as they don't get a DNP, they get a card. And that's only for some divisions. You go look at Champion Europe and look at their competitions. It's a lot harder to win a card in D1. Spicy. What's that? Spicy competition. Yeah, it is. It's it's a lot harder. But I think I think too with it being unique, the actual like strategy around it is there's a lot less and it's just like buy five cards, throw them in there as long as they play, we'll do good. I don't know. Well, really really the only strategy disc- like consideration is do I play them regionally or in global all-star or the unique division, whatever that thing is called. Like you don't, that's it. You're, you don't have to say, am I playing this? And I guess you would, you could play it in D2, but if you have, you're trying to win D1, you're not going to do that. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm so far away from there. I barely think of it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I felt like that question was going somewhere else and I can't remember. It was going somewhere else in my head and I can't remember where it was going now. Darn. It's okay. That well. Um, We've already gone over an hour. So is there anything else we want to touch on? No. Jimmer, do you have anything? You know, just any kind of questions that you guys have. Uh, I've been along for the ride. I've really enjoyed was it. There, was there any Twitter questions that you wanted to have answered? Um, we kind of touched on them. Like uh, One of them was basically whether the, the new... Uh, structure where the number of um, card payouts are based on the number of games that are being played, or excuse me, number of teams that are playing, whether that benefits the bigger accounts or not. And yes. <laughs> yeah. It seems like people with more cards, if they're, you know, if there are more opportunities to play them, then they're the people with more cards are going to end up having more lineups in there. Yes. That was all. Yeah. 
I did like this uh, Illuminati one, but I don't think we need to. <laughs> I think we could talk for a long time about this Illuminati question. This is speculation. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The question cool. was uh, from uh, Fear My Turtle DFS on Twitter. Any truth to the notion that the logo on Chelsea shirts is really just the number three planted by the Illuminati to tell us that virtually all rewards in the future are just going to be, I'll uh, edit it, garbage tier three uh, rares? <laughs> I think it's a hilarious question. First of all, I second of all, there might I be think... more merit if uh, Chelsea was licensed on the platform. So, mm-hmm. fair. We're just looking at Kai right now. Yeah, my wallet's very happy that they're not licensed um, because <laughs> I would have the need to buy some Mason mounts. That said, I think I think. And we talked about this last week. Tier threes are going like if we really have this tier three party that we're talking about. Tier threes, um, look at them go. I think that we're gonna find we're gonna find the floor on some of these cards. We're gonna find out what what the bottom is. There'll be some good ones, like Jimmer says, but yeah, patience. Yeah, patience. I uh, I'm moving again. I, Sorry. I really like the, the conversations around how to improve the utility on those because I was looking at numbers and it, it's like 60% or more of cards don't even hit 40 average over the last 15 games. And, you know, when you're talking about even the thresholds, you need more than 40 average across five guys to get 200, right? A little more. Yeah. Little five, yeah. I think yeah. that's the math, right? Yeah. So, like, what do you do with those cards? And right now the answer is collectability, or they're filling in with other cards that are going to get you higher averages. Um, I like to play them as, as lottery tickets, but... Well, um, not even that. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to drag this on forever. But um, we talked about this earlier. Like, like, yeah, the tier threes like would be probably some of the backup goalkeepers, and we saw it last night where people people had their their backup goalkeeper listed on the market, and the starter gets injured, and and what happens? There, there's a run on that player Double, in the middle. Yeah. yeah, in the middle of the night, and I I think that. Like those are the tier threes that have a lot of value and you probably shouldn't have those sitting out ready to be preyed up, preyed up, preyed upon on the market. Like those ones could have significant value, but those are, it's such a small percentage of those cards though. That that, that happens to, but, but no, it's I just so mean fun like when it happens tier three backup goalies, like there aren't that, those are scarce cards. I mean, I, Aren't all backup goalkeepers pretty much, for the most part, tier threes? I, yeah, but, I'm just, but like I'm just saying, like most of them, I would say none of them have collectability aspect. Like sure, um, but also but, just the number. <laughs> Jimmer, how many tier three goalkeepers are you collecting? Are you, do you buy oh, just for collecting? Hold on, let's see. Uh, <laughs> do I buy for collecting? Um, I spent. A good amount of money recently on backup goalkeepers for uh, I think I just maybe had drank a little bit too much. Um, but you, you bought them with the idea that they maybe you could use them, right? I bought them 
Absolutely. Based on speculation, right? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> like you speculated that they would play one day. You're not buying them like you would buy a Beckham card. Correct. Well, so I bought the backup on Real Madrid. Uh, Lunin. Right. I wouldn't uh, call that a collectible, though. Like, I wouldn't say you bought that for the collectability. That's well, how I'll put wait. it. Just wait. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I don't think that there's a whole lot of cards on the platform that would be classified as collectibles, just in general. Right. Yeah, yeah. Except the Zlatan. I agree with that one. I wish I had one. It's one percent of the the cards yeah. are going to be collectibles, and I I think like the real collectibles and and like real physical cards, it's one percent of the cards are the ones yeah. that you actually want to own. Right. So your Hall of Famers or whatever super duper super duper rare things. Right. So, so, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible that the Illuminati could be having the the tier three garbage party. Yes, absolutely. Right. Great question. We confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you going to ask about subs? Oh, uh, well, let's talk about subs and then we'll end it. Yes. Yeah, talk okay. about so, subs and then end it. So I just had this random thought about subs today uh, because somebody asked me about it on Twitter. They were like, "What do you think about this?" Because I was complaining about it in my DNPs this week. And someone's like, oh, we need subs. And I responded that I'm actually not pro-sub. I think like making basically making every lineup now six cards that people have to buy kind of takes away from the ease of buy five cards and go nuts. But I was wondering what you guys thought of the idea of if you had a DNP, you were able to use a card from any other submitted lineup, but that removes it from that lineup. Would you do it? Like retroactively, like no. So, like if you if you uh, submitted a D four lineup and a D three lineup in a region, <clears throat> excuse me, and you designated one of the D three cards to be a sub for your D four or vice versa, whatever, however it works. So then, if you had a DNP, the the lineup that had this designated player moves from one lineup to the other, which obviously kills the other the lineup he came from. Because now you only have four cards in there. Would you do it? I hate this. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I mean, I would do it if it was part of the platform, but I. I don't know if I. If I like that. If they did that, I would cry. I would cry you if they did cry. subs. If they did subs in any way, I would throw up in my mouth and cry at the same time. Like, the thing I don't like about subs is it's just so complicated. Like, if I'm going to have a sub in my D two or d3 lineup now am i subbing a rare for a super rare or like then like then you are so worried about like the not only the position that the player is playing in because you don't know is it your midfielder your defender your forward that dnps or is it your goalkeeper who knows it could be any of those guys that don't the dnp and then what if your subs a completely different position what if they're a completely different scarcity um let me re- let me change it though that it stays within the the same division. So you take a player from your Champion America lineup and you put it in your Global All Star, and it's just the highest scoring one or lowest scoring one. I don't even care. <laughs> I just don't like it. I I go back and I go I go back and forth between uh, getting on board with subs and not. And usually, you know, whenever you have a good lineup that hit gets hit with a DMP, that's when you're like. Subs wouldn't be that bad, Subs but awesome. yeah, <laughs> I think where I, where I settled and it's always going to be difficult because you, 
you effectively raise that that price point to compete. You know, you can always have, buy five players and say subs are optional, but I thought it would be really nice to have a single goalkeeper sub for a lot of situations that are just terrible with goalkeepers. And that would ease the pain of buying like a Merit or an Ospina. Um, and you could just put them with somebody else. And most people probably wouldn't even use that slot. And then just an additional extra slot, which is a sub. But then I was also thinking about it. I was like, what if they reduced it to only four people? You you play a goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, and forward, and your extra slot is that sub. So four plus sub. I think yeah. the biggest thing out of all of this is go look at the biggest players and their training lineups and tell me that you want subs. Yeah, and that that's end of that's story. The other, the other side of the coin is the pers- the highest percentage of managers on the platform are going to be in that camp because they want like when Mbappe uh, is rested. Yep. All of a sudden, I've we got, got a shot. shot now, right? Right. We, we can do it. And when Ronaldo is rested, we've got a shot, right? And that takes out a lot of, of the, the population. That's what I think is really, really good. But it's damaging for the people who do spend that money. And I, I haven't seen it yet to where those people that hit with subs or uh, get hit with DMPs are like, that's it. I'm out of here. I feel right? so bad for all the like, Mbappe owners. There's there's a lot of There's a lot of passion around it, but like... I don't. I've never seen it really tip people to the point of like, this is jeopardizing my enjoyment of the platform. I'm out. Um, it obviously wrecks a game week, but acknowledging that that's part of it and that's where the game is, and and kind of introducing subs like totally kind of changes probably the market, probably changes the gameplay. And and I'm on the fence of not doing it. I, I'm more on that side. Oh, boo-hoo when Mbappe DMPs, like, (laughs) come on. (laughs) I'm over here worried about my Martin Hongla when he DMPs, like. (laughs) I do please every match. I I don't know. It's like everything's about perspective and um, getting like your your guys' thoughts on those unique uh, D1 entries. I would get somebody on the podcast and talk about it because. They would have pretty different opinions, and it's the same way. If you owned an Abape, right. if you owned an Abape, if you owned Ronaldo, and you were getting hit by those DNPs, you'd probably have a different opinion. Because they're DNPing all the time, but like, like I mean, out of the blue, they aren't. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Mbappe did the other the other week, didn't he? When they, uh, I would say if they're going to spend that much money, they should just buy players that play often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why That's how I would spend a guy that was going to be DMP'd. Yeah, just buy guys that play all the time. I don't, I don't get it. It's very easy. Very easy. Yeah, buy uh, a winning lineup. Why don't you do that? Yeah, it's just yeah, buy the winners. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, guys. Uh, thank you much. For, thank you much. Thank you very much for that, James. Thank you for coming on and joining us today. By um, the way, we we real quick before you close this out, what uh what Bruce jersey you got on there? Oh, you know, we have to still support him. Even though he was on the bench today, he came in, what was it, the 80th minute? 81st. Something like that, yeah. Oh, you know, we still have to support the guy. That's right. For those the listening. Lord, uh, the Lord himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So got a jersey, that is a sharp jersey. We'll say that. That's very nice. Anyway. It was actually, it was actually a shout out, a gift from, from Mr. Black himself. What a guy. What a guy. Um, 
So yeah, thank you uh, for coming on. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. If uh, you're listening to the audio version of this, if you could please just rate and review it wherever you're listening. And if you are watching on YouTube, if you could just hit the like button below, it would be very much appreciated. You could also uh, subscribe for all of our videos. We're doing these every week and uh, we actually already have one for next week that we have lined up. It'll be another guest. So uh, you guys can uh, wait for that. So guys, thank you for that. And uh, I'll see you in the Silver Streets. See you in those training lineups. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer.